Podcast for the working cowboy. Good morning, good morning, Burn Daylight. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing all right. How are you? Very well. How's uh? It's kind of cold down here. Is it? Wind blowing? It is. Oh yeah, but not bad. Just a nice breeze. It's very damp and uh, 55 degrees. It was been down to about 40. So I think 45 was a high. One week we have a high of 97. That's too hot to be the last week of May. The next week we have a high of 47. That's too cold to be the first week of June. Yeah, it's a little all over the place. How are you guys doing up there? Well, not too bad. It's uh, It's been kind of the same. It's, uh, we didn't really have much of a spring. We had summer and then we had uh, winter, but we... Uh, uh, maybe we'll get a we'll get a spring. Oh yeah, for for a couple of weeks before mm-hmm. it turns real hot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, how's uh, how's everything else down in uh, the Dust Bowl area? Uh, it's very good. Whenever you go west of here through the Hancock Desert, you have to be uh, very timely to make it through there because the wind will be up and you might not be able to see for the blowing sand. They've County crews have come out and scooped the sand off of the road. Now the ditch and away from the REA poles because it was accumulating. It was about five foot up. It's amazing to see a sand drift five foot up on an REA pole, mm. but it sure was blowing. I mean, there is nothing. You see patches out there where there's uh, the topsoil is there, and then there'll be a patch where it's down to the hard pan. Nothing. Mm. And there's some interesting artifacts starting to show up. Nails and piece of old equipment and stuff that's been buried for years is showing up, and some new stuff that has uh, been put out there is getting covered up. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of interesting. You drive around them old fence rows, you'll find in fence rows it's got two generations of barbed wire on them. You know, they were built up, uh, put the barbed wire on, and then the uh, dirty 30s blowed and pulled you know how you can see the uh, sand drifts so fence rows get blowed full of sand i built another barbed wire on top of them then it got blown over in the 50s mm-hmm. and now it's starting to uncover and all of those so we're seeing two and three uh, generations of uh, barbed wire fences <laughs> it's uh I've, I've been i just got done reading um worst hard time again and then uh i've been watching that ken burns documentary on the dust bowl and man 
that, that all could have been prevented pretty easily just by not plowing it up. Very, very easily. But they were able, back in the uh, 30s, see, that's when they started irrigating. You read that about Boy City. Yeah. You know where Osteen's Corner's at? Mm-hmm. That's uh, prominent in that worst horse. See, that's just a mile and a half north of our place. Yeah. That crossroads, that's mm-hmm. Osteen's Corner's. And Dad uh, showed me some tracks out here a few years ago. We had a couple of dry years, and there were some very small spots that blowed out and uncovered. And he showed me tracks where his tractor had farmed. He knew it was that because he showed me the tire, the tread mark. One tread mark was different than the other on his tractor. Mm-hmm. And he said that right after that, he remembered when he had farmed that, and then right after that, it started raining, and it kind of come back and covered it up. So his tracks got covered up, but they were exposed. But that was so like 30 years ago, I suppose, 20, mm. 30 years ago. It is definitely pretty rough. And it's all kind of human-induced. Right. On the 30s, of course, we plowed everything up. I, I used to have a bunch of old newspaper clippings that run some newspaper clippings of the early development of the country. Tractors mechanized had come out, and they were talking about the sound of the tractors roaming over the prairies, turning the sod over. And the advertisements were, as the sod was turned over, the rains would follow the exposed earth, and it would be raining on your land. And it uh, did happen. They had some pretty good years. I don't think turning the sod over had anything to do with it. But it was cycled. They had some pretty good years. And they did prosper. They plowed everything. I remember when I was a kid, from Walsh down to the Mitchell School. You know where the Mitchell School's at. Mm-hmm. From Walsh down to there, that was all plowed ground. Right here where I lived, we farmed. Granddad and Dad farmed right here where I lived. And this grass across the road, that was all farmland. You couldn't hardly find any grass. It was all farm. Mm. And, of course, uh, the, then in the uh, that was in the 50s. And the uh, kind of a uh, limited drought. Kind of dust bowl happened in the fifties, and that all blowed away. So then, they, that was a soil bank program. Mm-hmm. This grass that is here came in on the soil bank program, and kind of receded, and the land healed up. And we never really done anything except all of the irrigation. And I blame that for a lot of us. See, the irrigation come in in the forties. And you read in the worst harvest times about how the irrigation has saved the panhandle of Oklahoma. Uh-huh. They're running out of water down there. Uh, Clarence Jenkins over in Campo was telling me he had to, uh, he's had to abandon the irrigation wells he's had since he was a little kid because they're going dry. Well, yeah. As the water level drops, when it does rain, that rain really is gone before it goes anywhere. That's kind of a hard thing to understand. But as a kid, I remember when we'd have a little rain, like a half inch or an inch maybe, we would go out and dig in the field and uh, talk about how the moisture met. Mm-hmm. We could uh, dig dig down. It would be real wet on top, and then there'd be a little bit of a damp, and then it would get wetter. The moisture met. There was a continual capillary action of water mm-hmm. from the groundwater, the aquifer, the Ogallala, to the surface. And you know, you you lived here, you know 
that if we get a inch of rain and then the next day an inch of rain and in oh, two or three weeks we have two or three inches of nice soaking rain, it just takes a little bit of rain and stuff gets really muddy. Mm-hmm. But when it's dry, like now, we can get a quarter inch of rain and you can't even tell it yep. because the land is so dry, it just sucks it all up. The same thing. And that is really harming our country. And I don't know how that affects the weather cycle, but I know there is only so much water. God just created so much water in the world, and that water is still there. But it's how we have uh, mismanaged it that we don't get the utilization. And we're contaminated. Mm -hmm. The water around Walsh is not fit to drink. Really? Don't drink the water. Uh, Yeah, they're signed up. Do not drink the water. Huh. You can go to the city hall, and they've got, a, I think, an osmosis, reverse osmosis there machine at city hall, and you can buy water that is okay to drink huh. in Walsh, but not to drink the tap water because it is so full of nitrates. Nitrates come from uh, anhydrous ammonia. Yep. That's an NH3 product, and so the nitrates, and they soak into the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh well and then everybody uses Roundup and uh and two four D and, and all the all the other pesticides that you gotta have to attempt to make a crop out there, but that, that stuff leaches into the groundwater too and yeah, I yes. I'm not a big believer in us changing the climate cycle, but I have a firm believer in the the dust bowl is a perfect example of we can take a real bad drought and make it worse uh that that drought oh, yeah that drought was gonna happen one way or the other but if we hadn't plowed up you know uh was it 30 million acres of of uh great plains it wouldn't have blown or it would have blown but the dirt wouldn't have blown and you wouldn't have had uh dust on windowsills in new york city because of it Exactly. We got dust now, and it's amazing what that has done to us. In the 30s, the problem was they didn't really have that much of a drought in the 30s. You go back and look at the records, and it did rain. But since everything was plowed up, then when the rain did come, it all run off into the roys and the creeks Mm -hmm. and the rivers, and it was gone. With the vegetation, with the grass there, whenever it did rain, that would hold it, and the water would uh, kind of disperse throughout the aquifers. You know, it would stay in the land, but in the 30s, it ran off. We have had about 30 hundreds of rain and moisture down here in the last six months. Mm. Dan Caldwell keeps real good records, and he said we've had just a little over a quarter of an inch. And it's come some uh, quarter-inch rain, but a quarter-inch rain won't even wet the ground now. Mm. It is so dry. Well, how how far uh, how far do you got to dig to, or drill to get to groundwater now? About three hundred feet. Mm. Four hundred feet is is where I know there are a lot of uh, uh, domestic wells windmills mm-hmm. and they will those windmills will only drill down to a hundred uh, 150 feet and they've been there a hundred years they're drying up 
Hmm. And uh, one of the bankers told me he and his granddad put a well in, and he's been watering cattle out of it ever since, and it's dried up. And he's pretty upset about it. He had to drill another one. I think he went 300 feet. And the uh, irrigation response was, well, you still got water. What are you bitching about? Well, yeah, you got water, but you had to go 300 foot. And if that 100-foot water is no longer there, you've got to ask how long will the 300-foot water be there. Because mm-hmm. we are grilling more. We're giving more appropriations continually as uh, the days go on. There's more all the time. Gorley, you know, remember we've been through the Gorley thing in the LGS. Yeah. He applied for five wells, high capacity, 875 acre feet a year, drilled to 800 feet. Oof. And uh, the, uh, the, the hydrology is that there are some pockets of water at 800 feet. And uh, if you've got the money, you can find the studies. And they pretty well studied this, know where it's at. And it's very expensive, of course, to drill like that. And you uh, think you're going to get the water. That's okay. But no, they all say there's no way you can pump water from 800 foot and raise the crop. Well, who cares? How far do you have to go to get oil? You know, you can get oil at 4,000 feet. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. You get good, sweet uh, oil at 4,000 foot. It's, uh, it only costs you about a million dollars to put a well in, an oil well at that depth. But they still go down to 12,000 foot in some areas to get the oil. Compared to oil or water, oil is definitely second high tip because how long can you live without oil? It's a little inconvenient, but you can make it a long time. Mm-hmm. How long can you live without water? Three days. Yep. Yeah, it's uh it's a pretty pretty dire situation. Well, um what's uh what's new on the legal front? Okay. Well, I got a call the other day or a message from uh, Senator Corum that they were having confirmation hearings in Denver. This was April 18th, I believe, 20th, maybe a couple of weeks ago. They were having the confirmation hearing. We've been talking about Hume, you know, the local guy, Hume, mm-hmm. big land speculator, owns a bank, owns the elevator. Owns a bank owning the farmer's money and owns the elevator that's buying the money from the farmers, probably government subsidies uh, totally. He is wanting on this uh, groundwater commission board very bad. And hmm. at the beginning of the session, Pete Lee told me that the governor was twisting his arm real hard, Senator Pete Lee, because he's a Democrat and he's got some Democrat followers in the legislature that don't know anything about the, this area, and he does. And he's kind of key to stuff down here, even though he represents uh, the Colorado Springs. They were twisting him, make sure you support Hume. He wasn't sure he was, and I showed him what was happening and what Humes did. And he wasn't. Well, Humes never did come up for confirmation. And uh, they called me, wanted me to come. Like Kevin Rain well, met with me. He's a state engineer. And he... Uh, wanted me to support him. And I said, I have nothing to do with it. And he said, yeah, but you have influence and you will tell Pete Lee and Coram what to do. And I said, but their wives don't even tell them what to do. But if they ask me for information, I'll give them information that is checked. You can verify it. 
nothing rumors, just facts. So they didn't get him confirmed, or they never put him up for confirmation. In order to be on that board, you're appointed by the governor mm-hmm. and confirmed by the Senate. You can't be halfway. Appointed by the government doesn't get it. You have to be confirmed by the Senate. Mm-hmm. So it has to be both of them. Well, court common, they had a confirmation, and he wasn't up. But a couple of the guys that's been on there, Mark Archutes and uh, Scott Tiedemar, They've been on there for the last term, the last four years. They were up for reconfirmation. And another guy, that a new confirmation. And I uh, sent Coram some questions. I said, here's some things you can ask. And it wasn't individual, but I said, a groundwater commissioner, when you go to that, then that board, they look at the evidence and they can say, let's have a hearing. The law says... If you object, you shall have a hearing. Mm-hmm. And they have they have went with the Groundwater Commission, and they've even said in public meetings, you know, at a regular meeting, quarterly meeting, we understand, but we can't vote against the rules. The Groundwater Commission has the rules for the management each one of those agencies does, and then the Colorado Statute. Colorado statute says there shall schedule a hearing after the hearing, proven water available, permit granted, not available, permit denied. Well, when you go before the Groundwater Commission, they will say pursuant to Rule 5.2.3.3, and then that rule says that the Groundwater Commission may approve an appropriation if there is no material damage. That is the rule. Now, that's not law, but that is their rule. Mm-hmm. They will say, according to our rule, we can grant appropriations. The aquifer's not over-appropriated. The rule doesn't even come close to saying that, but that's how they quote it. And if uh, one of the experts gets up and tells you something like that, then the Groundwater Commission, that's what they rely on. They believe it. Well, at this uh, confirmation a couple of weeks ago, I had sent Coram some stuff. Here's what the law says. Here's what the groundwater says. And the, he, he was pretty well prepared on that. Now, uh, Hume, back to Hume, uh, they had applied for an appropriation for high-capacity wells, commingle a couple of them there in Stonington. And those were objected to. And the uh, the law says that upon a, an objection to an appropriation, and if it's appealed to the district court, now you object to the Colorado uh, Commission, you go through that, and if you're not happy with that, then you appeal that decision to the district. When that is appealed to the district, then they shall, they must turn over their field notes, their data, their uh, maps. Everything, all, all of the, the information that they use. Yes. Uh, they, it's, uh, they don't really call it discovery, but that's what it is. They, they, it's a little more complete, actually, than that, because it's in the law that they turn over to the district court all of that information. Everything. Field notes, even. They haven't done that. And one of the legal guys that's kind of getting interested in this told me that they really know the reason for them to, because what are you going to do about it? And I was, that was my problem. And he showed me. 
He said, here's what you do with it. You file an appeal with district, and I've done that several times. And uh, the judge, Judge Brinkley, uh, he has responded immediately within a week, appeal denied. And to start with, he gave a few reasons, but then he just said appeal denied. Well, Brother Jim appealed, and he it took him a long time, but he finally said he didn't really rule on the appeal. He said service is not perfected. Now, you know that whenever you appeal something, it's in the law, that at the district level, you have to do personal service. And that's kind of went away it's with the COVID stuff. They kind of started ignoring that. And you can get a waiver. If everybody agrees that it's okay just to email, that's all right. But if they don't, you have to do personal service. So we appealed the hearing decision and immediately got a response back from the street smell of the little attorney general. Paul Bennington has said that we're not accepting this appeal because it was not properly served. According to the statutes here, you have to do personal service. And that becomes a little difficult in today's world because the government offices are closed. Mm -hmm. The groundwater building is closed. So I was wondering, then the confirmation hearing comes up. Perfect. Because Kevin Rain, who we want to serve the appeal on, he's the guy that has this uh, discovery information, all of the notes. We need to serve it on him. Do you know Khadija, too? Uh, I know of her. I've never met her, but uh, you've talked about her quite a bit. Uh, She's quite an individual and uh, very good looking and very uh, educated and intelligent. She's got a couple of master's degrees, folks will. I got her to be my process server. She kind of likes that. Mm -hmm. She uh, likes going to Capitol, likes being around me. And Ed Snyder, you know Ed Snyder. Yeah. He's Ed. He was in Jack Grant. So the three of us go to the Capitol. And uh, Kevin Rain, you haven't met him, but this guy has a facade you cannot crack. I mean, he is Mr. Smooth. Nothing bothers him. Nothing gets to him. <laughs> Smooth as can be. And Kedinsha had went downstairs, and Ed and I sitting on a bench outside the Supreme Court chambers where the hearing was going to be. And I wasn't sure I wanted to go. Coram wanted me to be there. I didn't know what for. I couldn't contribute much other than what I give him. But he thought I should go, and so to honor him, and I had this mission of serving papers on rain. And Kadesh was not uh, experienced on this, but I told her, all you do is go up and hand him these papers that I had prepared, the appeal and the subpoena for information. Okay, well, she's gone, and Kevin Rain, he comes up, and he shakes hands, you know, good old boy, slapping, back slapping, fine fella, kind of making fun of me. You know, I've been kind of a joke to him so far. Yeah. Kind of laughing about me. And uh, he had a, a lady with him, I assume to be his wife, looked like what his wife should look like. He didn't bother introducing her or bringing her forward, which I thought was very rude. <laughs> and Kedisha wasn't there. So he goes back down to the uh, on down to the Supreme Court chambers. They're locked, but him and the confirmation guys they're in a huddle out there, you know, laughing, kind of getting excited about this three confirmation. I because uh, went to the concession stand or bathroom something. I texted her, said, "Here he is." So she came up. I gave her the papers, and she said, uh, "Will he get mad at me or slap me or anything like that?" And I said, "If he does, it'll be his last." <laughs> no, you are totally okay. And she wanted to know if she should stay away from me. I said, of course not. We're not doing anything. 
that we're not we're ashamed of was nothing legal. I'm proud to be here with you, and we're together. So she did. She went down and giving me his papers, and of course, uh, with her looks and personality, glad to see her. And how are you? And she said, uh, Mr. Rain, I have these uh, interim papers for you. Oh, great. Thank you. He took them. He said, what's this? I looked down at him, and there was a long pause, and you could hear the shell cracking. Oh. It was breaking away. He said, what's this? She said, well, look at it. It's an appeal and a subpoena. I'm sure you can read it. He said, who told you to give this to me? And I hadn't gone over that with her, but she's real quick. She said, my supervisor, <laughs> uh, which is perfect, you know, much better than saying that I did. And then she turned around, walked back down the bench, you know, where the benches are back down from the Supreme Court chambers and sat down. And boy, then the uh, water boys huddle gets really tight, <laughs> uh, really tight. And uh, could it, that's, it opens up, and Kadisha and I go back up. And uh, one of the lobbyist friends had told me to sign in and do public testimony. Well, uh, public testimony is not something that's usually done on confirmation hearings. Mm-hmm. But I did, and I thought maybe times had changed. And uh, Coram, Central Coram, had told me that uh, him and Jerry, Jerry had the gavel that day. Jerry's a Republican. Jerry and Corum, of course, both Republicans. Jerry Sonnenberg, my old friend, had the gavel. That didn't make him the chairman of the committee, but that made him conducting the meeting. And Corum told me Jerry wanted me to do public testimony, to testify. That's strange. But I went in and I went up to the desk there, and there's a pad there you sign in, and it's different. And I had no idea how to do it. It's got them funny little dots and stuff in the square that your phone can identify. I had no idea. And one of the old lobby friends of mine said, I'll help you. Well, but she said, it's really not taking testimony. And I said, well, Jerry told me to, so I'll just go sit down. I really didn't have a whole lot to say. And they had told me that they wanted me just to tell my story. So I just uh, said, I'm, I'm here. I went and sat down up front with Khadijah and Ed. And the meeting is kind of, they're gathering in there, and there's a tight huddle upstairs. And Carrie Donovan, uh, she's a Democrat from an Aspen or Vale developer, she kind of flew down from up there after they'd had a cuddle and landed right there in front of Khadijah and Ed and I. And mm-hmm. she didn't even recognize me. Didn't say West or representative or anything. Didn't say a word to Kadisha or as she just landed there. And you've seen them old mother banty hens you know, drag their wings on the ground and kick dirt and act tough. Mm-hmm. They knew exactly what she was doing. She was crashed to dirt. She landed and she didn't even call my name. She didn't recognize me. She said, we are not having public testimony today. We have never had public testimony on a confirmation, and if we did, this would be the first, and you're not going to be the first. Well, what could I say? I could have argued with her, but you never argue with a woman, and you would lose if you even attempt. <laughs> so I said, I looked her right in the eye, and I looked all around, and I searched around. There was nothing coming to mind. I said, Okay. And boy, she clucked her, you know, clucked her little wings. And she said, well, do you have any questions? Same thing. I looked around and I had nothing that I wanted to ask her. So I said, no. 
And she stood there. Now she's on center stage. People starting to kind of look. She's standing up there in front of me. And, of course, I've drawn a lot of attention by just being with Khadijah. And Ed's dressed up as a cowboy lawyer. Mm-hmm. And she's center stage with no lines to read and no act. <laughs> and she gets a little embarrassed, tucks her little wings, and goes back up on the dais. Then Jerry, they have another huddle. Then Jerry come down. And, of course, he probably recognizes me and shakes my West, so glad to see you. Thank you. And I said, do you remember Khadijah? Oh, sure, I remember Khadijah. So glad, you know, we was in the house together. And, of course, he knew Ed. Then he says, "As uh, we can't have public testimony. And I said, Jerry, I really don't have anything to say. And anyway, and he said, well, what I'd like to do is to recognize you as former legislator, which is done all the time. About every committee, if a former legislator is in there, they will recognize you. He said, I'd like to recognize you as former former legislator, then invite you up to address the commission, the committee. I said, sure. What do you want me to say? I didn't want to say anything out of line. Yeah. Well, he said, just tell your story. He said, just, you know, kind of tell your story. I said, okay. So I did, and I got up and properly recognized the audience, and then the commission, uh, the committee, and sat down and uh, said, uh, I, you're going to confirm the members, and said, I'm actually in favor of you confirming these members. They have uh, made some mistakes. They're on the commission. One of them has actually said that we uh, would like to support you, but we can't vote against the rules. And I said, here's the law. The law says, and I said, this is a thankless job that these guys have because they're like the jury. When you go before them, they can make a decision to reject the hearing officer's uh, decision and hold a hearing. I said, that is in their power, and that is the law. But somehow they have been convinced that they can't vote against the rules. And we've even heard them say in committees, uh, uh, meetings or quarterly meetings, that where did you get this information that's been presented? And they don't see the information. They're a jury that makes a decision without benefit of having any knowledge. And that's not fair to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they should. So their attorney gets it, but their attorney don't give it to them. See, you, when you send in uh, your oral arguments, you send it to the attorney. He doesn't show them because they've said, we've never seen this before. And that was pretty much my theme, and I recommended that they confirm them. It went over very well. They asked for questions, and uh, then uh, there was a quorum kind of helped me fill in some blanks. He took up the slack on some of it. And then they had the boys come up, and the boys, they sat down, and Kevin Rain introduced them. They asked him a few questions, pretty benign. You know, it was pretty much a slam dunk thing, rubber stamp. Then quorum came on. And uh, the committee gets to speak. Each committee member says whatever they want. And he had some questions. And Coram, he's kind of got this act he does. He held up this book. And he said, do you guys know what this is? Well, uh, they thought they did. He said, let me tell you, it's the law. It's what we do. We make laws up here. And it's very plain in here what your job is. And said, if we happen to confirm you, will you commit to understanding and obeying this law 
Well, uh, yeah. He said, well, here it is. And he gave him the statutes. He said, you'll quench yourself with those because that's what you are to do. It's ridiculous. Then he went ahead and said the biggest travesty of justice he had ever saw or heard of in America was when a citizen, a citizen that has uh, served the government, Wes McKinley, when he is charged and throw and sentenced to 90 days in jail for contempt of court for doing exactly what the law says. It's right here. Here's the steps you take. And if you take those steps, he was sentenced to 90 days in jail. He said that better not ever happen again. And then he get Kevin Rain, the engineer, a real ass eating. He said, <laughs> why does it? Southern High Plains have a commissioner. See, I've stopped them from having a commissioner for two different sessions. Mm. Morley resigned, and then Jason Crane could not get confirmed. Corum stopped his confirmation on my information. And uh, Hume, they didn't even bring him up because I had been told by an inside source that the uh, the uh, Department of Natural Resource Director, Dan Gibbs, and Kevin Rain has decided that if I was against him, he probably couldn't get on. They didn't want to go through the embarrassment. So they hadn't. And then Coram said, well, and he had asked me. I'd already filled him in on it. And he said, is uh, Hume the only applicant? And I said, no, there have been three others who were highly qualified, real agriculturists that make their living, and they've been here lifelong. And uh, two of them were my ex-students, so you know they were my ex-students how long ago that was. Yeah. And the other one's a ranch lady. Okay, so uh, he asked Rain if he had uh, any other applications. And Rain said, well, we do, but we really want this one. But uh, then Coram said, well, you better get something done. I am tired of this. And that was the extent. Then we went down and served papers on the Khadijah did went down to the attorney general's office and served papers on the attorney general, the lawyer that represents the, all of the staff, Paul Bennington. Immediately got a letter, a note, or a filing back that said it's improperly served. Before, they said that uh, the email was improper. Mm-hmm. So now we did uh, personal service. And he said it's improperly done because it was not signed by a court clerk or a lawyer or an officer of the court. So the uh, service wasn't properly done. And the subpoena was not properly done because it wasn't served right. Well, it's in law, in law, it's called a subpoena rule, subpoena 17 rule. And it is very explicit, a pro se objector or defendant can file an appeal and a subpoena. It's at law, the clarification just came in in April the 7th of 2022, just this year. Before a pro se person, you represent yourself, that's pro se, you had the same powers as an attorney. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't really uh, fleshed out like this subpoena 17 that clarified it i that doubt if they're even aware of it and it's no reason for them to be but we're using that and then they immediately after with that was served they called the court the district court and here in springfield i'm acquainted with the court clerk and 
They called her and they're asking for dates on which uh, they could call in to the court and do a settling schedule. So that is the next thing. I will send that to you. Okay. Uh, and if you want to, call into the court and listen. I don't know what they say. Yeah, they can. You can tell them whatever you want to say, but you're interested. You're in the news business, and you're interested in the water cases. If they ask you, and I'll give you the, uh, the link of the call-in numbers, you can either call in or you can Zoom in. Okay. And I will send that information to you, and you can do with it as you like. Okay. And I don't care. To tell them you're my son and you're interested. Yeah. Tell them that you only took a bath. When you were living with me, we were only allowed uh, one bath a week. And it had to be <laughs> short because we were conserving water, and you're interested in water. You just make up your own story and tell it. <laughs> I have absolutely nothing to hide, and everything I've done is totally legal, and I'm not ashamed of anything, even the uh, sentence of 90 days in jail. I uh, don't want to get too long here, but I had an interesting call this guy, friend of uh, Gregory's, uh, pilot, he was flying a lady down and wanted to meet with me. And so said, sure, we met in a La Junta. There was a Republican forum over in Rocky Ford they were attended. And he had flown down Miss Tina Peters. You're familiar with Miss Tina Peters, um, the uh, Mesa County clerk in the recorder. Okay. Um, That's uh, doing the... She's the, she's the one on the uh, audit of the uh, machines, of the Dominion voting machines. Oh, that oh, that oh okay. Fixed. Yeah. That's that's Miss Tina Peters. A very interesting lady. And uh, we compared notes. Billy told me that when I talked to her, I would be talking to a criminal. And I said, well, so will she. <laughs> to find out my record's bigger than hers because I was actually convicted of contempt of court. Mm -hmm. And she hadn't gone to trial yet. No. So she's just been uh, charged. So I'm a bigger criminal. And she wants to go to trial because the reports that she got on her computers are uh, hidden. You know, they're undercover. But if they go to court, they'll be out. So that was very interesting. And she uh, had a hard time getting a motel, so her and the pilot just camped out in the little airport there in La Hunter, which is kind of impressive for a lady that's running for state, uh, secretary of state. Huh. She's, uh, she's trying to, she's running against uh, Gina uh, Griswold. And Tina is a Republican and she's running against, she has a primary, but I don't think it'll be too tough. And I went to the forum. I uh, heard Lopez speak for Governor Kennedy. Very impressive. I uh, agreed with him, even though I'm the Democrat, he's Republican. He wants to talk to me about the water. He was real interested in my water and uh, very impressive and would make a very good governor. Yeah. Well, good. I, uh, I, I think we're we're especially with this Roe versus Wade decision. I think we're going to see a huge shift back to state politics being a lot more, a lot more important than federal here in the the coming years. Oh, I hope so. I do yeah, too. Roe versus Wade. I I don't really want to get into too much about that. But the nice thing about it. The Supreme Court is starting to look not so supreme. Right. There are some of their secrecy stuff. That is great. 
because the government for of and by the people is not a spectator for of government. We can't just give those guys a big salary and said, here, go play ball. We're going to watch. Yeah. We got to be out there helping. Yeah. We got to be clearing the field. We got to be mowing the grass, covering the holes up. And it's not a spectator. Yeah. For them. And we got to get it, get involved. And I would, uh, if, if people want to help, want to do something, I really haven't known what to do, but I'm going to start doing some articles, ask people to read them. And I'm thinking Gorley applied for five high capacity wells out here and drilled to 800 feet. And I'm, we objected to that. Well, the law says they shall schedule a hearing. Mm -hmm. And now they, they have done that in every case. We shall, because the law is very explicit. Then, through procedure, they granted summary, ju summary judgment saying we're not going to hold that hearing that we scheduled. But that is the real plain statute. In the Gorley case, the recent one, they did not even schedule a hearing. They scheduled a dismissive motion. And that meant that whoever wanted to file a motion to dismiss could do so. Then the hearing officer said, I will follow up with the dates. He never followed up with the dates. He granted summary judgment and dismissed the objectors. Uh, and that, that has just, uh, just come up. And the law says, anyone, you have an objection. You can object. But they have, uh, you know, tried to say that we had no standing because of different things and all kinds of political or uh, legal little maneuvers that we've had to combat, and they've won most of them. We're starting to win more all the time. And with the subpoena and the appeal properly done, then my uh, legal guidance has told me we will file, they will deny that. We're sure that Brinkley's not going to do this. He's not going to let a hearing come because he's involved in it. Mm -hmm. He don't want that uncovered. But he's running scared. He'll probably uh, dismiss it. If he does, then we file another paper, and then it goes to the Supreme Court. See, that's kind of been a problem because we haven't been able to go to the appellate court and present any evidence because in water cases, you don't go to appeal. You go to the Supreme Court. Mm. Kind of unique, but that's that's where we're at. So when we have an oral arguments, if it's public and it has been in uh, Castle Rock, some folks around in Castle Rock that you know know would be great to have them show up to this meeting. And usually the only ones that come is the people that's insiders that want to make sure they keep it inside. Mm -hmm. But we can no longer do that. It has gotten critical, you know. There's a bunch of wells on the Comanche National Grassland that do not produce water for livestock. They're having to pipe water from the few wells that are to get water to water cattle. Hmm. And when we lose that, it gets real, real serious. Yeah. Yeah, cattle take a lot less water than uh, irrigated farming, and if we can't get water to cattle, there's no way you're going to get water to farm ground. Uh, I know, but see the farm ground, they'll go down to, uh, four, 400 feet, 600. Even then it gets pretty risky with the high cost of fuel and stuff. It's just economic, not economical, mm -hmm. but 
uh, one of the farmers that uh, Greg works for told him that it's his old buddy. He he did die this uh, last few months ago. He passed away, and he wasn't very old. He said he is having the best farm years he had ever had. Mm. He's not raising much, but you can get some uh, forgiveness loans. He got a $400,000 forgiveness loan from the government. You just simply apply for a loan and talk about, uh, show how bad the year has been, and you need this loan to pay up your fuel and fertilizer bills, go to vacation in Hawaii, which he did, a few things like that. And you get a forgiveness loan. You don't have to ever pay it back. That's pretty good money. That beats going out. And a lot of people. Rain insurance. You can bet on the rain. You can go buy insurance on this piece of ground for this month for so much. And if it don't rain, you get the money. You get a premium. You get your uh, dividend. So there's a lot of that going on. And I read um, not too much with what the farmers in this district. Now, I'm not talking about farmers at all, but in this area, a lot of these guys are scamming the system, and that's all it is. They're getting these big government checks. They don't raise anything. They know it's not worth it, but yet that the system is there. You can bail up weeds. There was a program one time where if you bailed up foliage, you got paid big bucks. They were bailing weeds up. But they never even bothered picking up. It wasn't worth it. But they bailed them up and collected their money. Mm. All kinds of stuff like that goes on. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's essentially the same thing that goes on in the inner cities with welfare, but uh, just extrapolated to farm farming. I mean, that's that's all it is. Yeah, and. The farmers, so many of them have uh, figured out a real good way to promote what they uh, don't do and get by with it and they kind of come like sacred cows. But in the meantime, they've sold their soul. Yep. And that's, that's why we're porous. So we're, of uh, course, we were poor sharecroppers till we got too poor to even do that as because we never sold our soul out. We never went there. We wanted to irrigate. When I was just a kid, 12, 14 years old, mm-hmm. the land was dry, no rain. We'd plant crop and see it wither and die. And we worked out. You know, we custom cut, farmed out, and hired out for different stuff, all of us boys. And Dad, too. He was real, very competent, hardworking individual. People were drilling wells. And we said, why don't we drill a well? Man, we can go out there. And back then, you irrigated out of a ditch, and you can change the water. And we thought it would be so nice. We'd see these lush crops of field and the grain pouring out of the elevator. And he did. He, t- he did some test hole work. He said, the water's there. But, you know, I've been thinking about that. And there's only so much. We'll make more money. We'll work harder. We'll borrow more money. We'll spend more money. And we'll be a death spiral. And we will be betrothed to the government. We will work. We'll follow the guidelines. And we'll actually work harder and be poor because we have sold ourselves out. And he said no. So we never irrigated. Yeah. I remember in the Stonington area, those guys, it was uh, getting developed back in the mid-50s, early mid-50s when the development was coming. They were drilling 12, 1,400 uh, gallon per minute wells. Have these big mini and Waukesha motors shooting a stream, a 14-inch stream of water. 
It's five foot out there. You talk about a sight. Man, that water was flowing huh. out there. That country, back in then, you did, around the Stonington area, we were a little out of, a little on the edge of it. But right then, you could, uh, the local guys tell me you could drill, dig a post hole. What's a post hole digger? A good post hole, you know, like four foot, mm -hmm. a deep one, like a corner post. You could dig that down, and the next morning there would be a little pool of water in the bottom of it. Huh. And then now you you can't dig down to damn dirt. Even right here where I live, used to when we dug a a, a hole for a corner post or something, you didn't go too far till you hit damp dirt. Yeah, it was about a uh, it was about a kind foot. Of amazing. Now, yeah, you can probably remember some of that hitting damp dirt. Oh yeah, it was about now, about a foot, eighteen inches somewhere around there, and then it'd get damp. Right. Well, now you can't dig deep enough. The, de the deeper you go, if it comes to rain, it'll be a little damp at the top, but you'll soon run out of that. You do not, the moisture does not meet. And the mm. moisture means it's just damp. It wasn't like there was real water, but there was some dampness in there. And a mud puddle. You know, there were little lakes around there uh, on both sides of uh, the property here. There would be those lakes. Mm -hmm. and they would hold water for quite a while after the rain. Well, now, if they, if they even put any water in them, it's gone immediately. It soaks up so quiet, so fast. Yeah. It's, it's so dry. It's tough. And it doesn't have to be. We can stop that, and the law is there. And uh, it's simply too valuable yeah. for people to be involved. The water is too valuable to let you have a voice in it. That's a whole situation. Well, and we've been through this deal before when we we overextended the country and and it turned into the biggest ecological disaster in, in the United States history. And we're sure. rapidly approaching that point again, even with the modern farming practices. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it makes no difference how modern you get. When nothing grows, it don't make any difference. Over here where the gas wells are at, mm -hmm. that you helped me take care of for years, yeah, Cockburn's parked a drill there on the corner of the field, and that drill, modern drill, half covered up with blow dirt. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. There the drill is, half covered up with blow dirt, and 100 yards out, it's down to the hard pan. Mm. Nothing. They sold wheat there, and of course, there's no wheat. It the seeds even blow down. Hey. Yeah, that's that's rough. That's uh, yeah. Well, maybe uh, maybe this uh, this fight that you've been undertaking will uh, well, maybe it'll play out and uh, and things will start to get better. But it's uh, I think we're we're headed towards a big big crash of some sort. I mean, it just, there's way too many similarities between now and the 1920s to, uh, to think it's going to just continue the way it is. Oh yeah. And well, I was at the, uh, Republican forum in Rocky Ford well, Thursday. It was very encouraging. And that the speakers and that of course a Republican, I was very impressed with uh, Lopez and, uh, Hanks, is running. He's representative Hanks in the House now, military veteran, very impressive individual. He's running for uh, Senate seat against Bennett, mm -hmm. and I know Bennett, 
been a Democrat, and he was nothing. I mean, this guy is zero. And he's strictly there because Obama wanted him in that position. And so only way he got in it to start with. And Hanks is running against him. So if you want to get political, I would definitely uh, talk about some of those guys and told him that whenever we got into it and got serious, I'd try to do some barbecues and uh, guitar playing and stuff like that in the park like we did to campaign. And they were all very receptive. But the general theme of those speeches was not the government, but the bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. Our government has lost control. We have to give it away. And we talk about the uh, rights and the freedoms that are lost. That we never lost the one. We simply let them die from lack of exercise. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just let it die. They let them die. We ignored them and uh, we give them away. Traded them off for a little bit for a little subsidy or something, and uh, that's why we don't have them. It's true, we don't have them. But it's not anybody's fault but our own because mm. we simply didn't take care of them. And that was a theme that was there at that uh, forum with all the candidates. And this was basically a forum between uh, primary candidates. You okay. know, it wasn't a real uh, forum. It was uh, the different Republicans that were running for the same office is what it was. Mm. But it was, it was pretty encouraging. I was very glad to be there. I might have been the only Democrat there, but the Democrats didn't like me. And it didn't seem like they were paying attention to the Democrats or the Republican Party. There was some talking about, uh, like our governor, uh, there was some talk about how sorry he was, and he, I agree with that. But it wasn't the Democrat that was so sorry. It was the individual, which yeah. was kind of encouraging. Because I've said the two worst things that ever happened to American politics was Democrats and Republicans. Mm -hmm. And it don't make no difference which one you say first. Yeah. Uh, you get so wound up in that and are so in tune with that team that you uh, you lose sight of representative form of government. They're just two flies on the same pile of shit. Yes, it is. Yeah, but uh, I I think I don't know. I, I think this this year's election is going to be be a mess. I think twenty twenty four is going to be even more of a mess. But it seems like maybe there's some some people starting to uh, get a little wise to to what's going on, and maybe it'll uh, maybe it'll it'll get better. Well, I hope so. Well, it looked like it. I was uh, pretty amazed too that at the uh, Theater. This is at the theater in Rocky Ford. It was a pretty good crowd. It wasn't just packed, of course, but probably uh, maybe even almost uh, two fifths, a half capacity. People had come out. This is very early in the election uh, cycle. No ads hardly have gone out, no big controversies. But uh, people were interested. And of course, this was just the Republican Party. The Democrats did the same thing. But it's encouraging to see uh, people out interested and listening. And mm -hmm. whenever the candidates got through speaking, they had this, they hung around. It was after uh, the deal. You could hang around as long as you want and visit. They, people was lined up to talk to different uh, candidates. Just, I was real happy to see that. That's good. Very encouraged. Well, I'm, uh, I'm headed to Reno this, uh, be this weekend for the Libertarian National Convention. 
And uh, I'm going to. Oh, great. Yeah, I'm going to watch a couple people speak. Uh, Ron Paul's going to speak on Friday. I'm going to try to make it over there for that. And uh, uh-huh. so there's kind of a big shakeup going in the in the Libertarian Party as well. There's a there's a big movement to kind of take over and put out a more sensible libertarian message instead of catering to the the social justice crowd. They're trying to. I don't know. We'll see how it goes, but uh, it'll be interesting to watch. See how it all how it all plays out. Great. Give me a report when you get back. I will. You know, uh, my friend Bernie was a libertarian. Yeah, yeah. There, I I like the philosophy of the libertarian. I don't particularly care for the, the party apparatus. They're they're kind of a joke. But maybe it seems like they're trying to change that, or at least there's a, a group, a pretty good group of people trying to change that. And we'll we'll see how it turns out. Great. Yeah, so well, that's what they referred to me as, as on the Capitol. They insisted that I change my party affiliation to Libertarian, <laughs> and I said, "No, I like being a Democrat, even though I don't like the Democrat Party. I like being who I am." Yeah, and people always try to say, "Well, you're not a Democrat." I said, "All you got to do is go to courthouse. You find my age, my driver's license, and my party affiliation, and uh, my social security number. And if you want to." argue against that okay but don't argue with me that's what i'm registered at yeah, yeah. well i uh yeah I, I think it'll be interesting we got a, and we'll be we'll be in in your neck of the woods uh in june for for tuck's wedding we're uh we're gonna put on a, a little comedy show over in in uh garden city the 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 night before uh tucker's wedding so that, that'll be pretty fun Got put in a what? We're gonna do a comedy show um, at, at the. How are you? Yeah, at the brewery over there in Garden. Oh, who else on that show? Uh, it'll be me and uh, and uh, Chauncey Westner. He's from down at Raiden, Oklahoma, and then one of his buddies, okay, uh, great. Eric Shields. He uh, he came out to to Elko this year and played with us. We're not gonna do any uh-huh. mu- any musical stuff this time around. I didn't. Right. I didn't have enough time to to get any any or enough musicians on the on the deal, but sure. so we're just gonna do kind of a a bullshit session and uh, and tell some tell some dirty jokes and tall tales. Good, this will be fun. Yeah, it'll be a good time. So yeah, if you, if you're if you wanna if you wanna pop in and and uh, tell a couple stories, you'd be more than welcome. Oh, okay. I don't know that I'll tell stories, but I'd like to be there. Just of course. Well, as Augustus and Sophia's going to be there. Uh, yeah, they're we're all gonna we're gonna drive down, and I think I'm gonna fly back uh, after the wedding. Uh, uh, Rebecca and the kids are gonna they're gonna go out to for Wynn's wedding as well. So uh, you got to ride okay. if you need it. Good. Yeah. We that's the Wynn's is uh, next weekend, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm I'm leaving this weekend to go to Mikey's uh, graduation. Oh yeah, she's a uh, she's graduating high school. That's yeah. right. She graduates uh, this Saturday. Tony and I and uh, Gray Man and Baby JJ are going out, and we're coming back after that. And then we'll be what a couple weeks or so, and then uh, Tuck gets wedded. Yep. And then 
then we go back to uh, Winterset for wins. Yep. I could have looked like done a little better job of scheduling that, but <laughs> who, who knows? Yeah. Well, they didn't put but, us uh, in charge of that, so. $5 a gallon fuel scheduling could be a factor. Yep. That definitely that's could. Done, so that's what, that way we will. Okay, Matt. Well, uh, it was a good chat. Uh, what, um, What's your email so people can get a hold of you if they want to get involved in this? Wes McKinley at gmail.com. All right. Well, and, oh, go ahead. And uh, if you want information on it, this is not a website, but uh, you can go to Google, just a Google search, Wes McKinley Water Wars. And what that is is a publications that have been written about this water story down here. And they're really good. They're fairly entertaining. They're not real long, not real boring. And it does not ask for money or anything like that. All I want to do is for people, if they're interested, is to uh, see what their interest is and what we can do. And I'm not doing it by myself. If I hadn't had all the people that uh, come up to do various things, I wouldn't. Because just several times I've got to the point I said, God, this is about it. I uh, can't do it anymore. I don't, don't know what to do. Well, then somebody that I really needed would come up and say, here, let's do this. Great. And it's worked. So I've been very encouraged by that. I'm quite excited to this thing that's uh, going to be the, on uh, June the 7th. It will be very interesting to see what this amounts to. And I'll, I'll send that information to you. And anybody wants to feel free to call in. All right. Well, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see how, how all that goes. And, uh, yeah, progress is being made. So we just got to keep, keep at it. And it is. And we can't be uh, quiet and be hiding our voice. It's not for the, uh, timid, uh, ones to be involved in. We got to stand up and it might get a little rough, but, uh, People done it before. I was kind of discouraged, and uh, whenever we did the Donovan case, the boys at the clubhouse they worked pretty good on it. Of course, I I did everything. They just signed my papers. And then when another one came up, I asked them if they wanted to do it. And they said no, nope. mm. no more. I don't have any idea why because all they did was pick their mail up and give it to me, and I would uh, prepare the paperwork and they would sign it. But for some reason. No, no idea why. Some reason they said, "Oh, we, we can't do it. Hmm. We're not interested." And they're the ones out of water. The Walsh has got water that didn't fit the drink, and they're afraid that the that the well has any kind of a hiccup. They are zero, no more. Uh-huh. So I don't know what the thinking is, but you can't just because there's a few people say, "Ah, oh, man, too much trouble." Just because a few of them say that doesn't mean you can quit. You got to keep going. Yep. Yep, I think so. Well, keep up the good fight. We'll uh, we'll see you here in a couple of weeks, and I'll uh, I'll update you on uh, any news from the Libertarian Convention. All right, thanks a lot, Matt. You be bet. Safe. All right, you too. Take care. Bye. 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 And um, yeah, that's uh, that's a very important important deal that uh that he's got going on down there, and um, I'm. I'm just prouder than shit of him. Uh, he's uh, he's kind of a crotchety old man, but he's uh, his heart's in the right place, and I think he's uh, 
I think this fight's worth fighting. So anyway, thanks everybody for tuning in. I uh, hope you have a good week and uh, move your ass from burning daylight. Coming they go, and most of the time are in the middle of your road. The same pain every way. Don't you know that when it pulls, it rains? Land will always be around, following you from town to town. But you can get up when it puts you down. Santa bottles got 'em if you look around.
Come on.